Thank you for choosing this Dream Center podcast. Don't forget to subscribe for further updates. Okay, let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew 16. I seriously am serious about taking you guys across the nations of the world. As those doors begin to open up, get ready. As doors open up, whether they're in our nation or nations abroad, just get ready. Just to say, Lord, I'm going to do whatever it takes to be part of the move. I'll arrange where I can arrange time off with work and things like that. I'll move around it. I'll move around. God, make room in my life to use me. That's the best way. Amen. Okay, last week we were looked at in relation to the believer. uh, How a gun and a bullet are strategic to one using power. And how the word caliber, caliber can mean the size of the shell, or caliber can mean substance, character. And if God is going to use you and I with power, you have to have, the, you have, to have enough capacity within you, you must have enough caliber within you, to be able to be used as God wants to use you. If God is the gun and you're his bullet, let God fire you where he needs to. Amen? But you better be the right size. But you must carry the right substance. So when God fires you, strategically, you hit the spot every time. I don't know about you, but I'm getting older. Seriously, hear what I'm saying? I've realized that my fitness days are behind me. My peak times. You know, my peak. You know, I'm, in my fi- I'm 50 now. Just over, you know. I'm in the second age survival kit now. And as, you wouldn't know, would you? You know. But the issue is, is your best days in terms of your fitness are, are behind you. So you have to work at your fitness more and more. And I've realized that if I want God to use me, I've got to look after my body. You have to look after your body. You have to eat right, sleep right. You know, as well as you can enjoy yourself. But you've got to look after yourself because God can't use a vehicle, Right? That can't get on planes and can't get on boats and can't get on buses. Things like that. If you can't carry your suitcase, it's going to be difficult. True? So you've got to be able to move, be move, um, fluid. Right? You've got to be able to move around. Now, when we've been to Malaysia, we, you know, when we've taken a team, the guys have compensated. But you can't do that regular. You know, and I get older, I need some of the young boys to carry my bags. Do you know what I mean? So as we get as we get older, it gets difficult to travel. The older we become, so we've got to we've got to keep ourselves in better condition. Seriously, we do. We have to look after ourselves. It's no use if you can't get you can't squeeze in that small seat, and you're on that bus for six or seven hours. Guess what? You ain't going on that bus, and don't expect the limo to always pick you up, because the limo most of the time when you travel around the world. You don't get the limo. You might see some of the, the so-called preachers sleeping in the Hilton. You don't get the Hilton. You get the tent. Okay? Don't look, at that. don't look at that as the model. That's not the model. The realistic model is you'll sleep where, where you get a bed. You eat when there's food. And if there's no food, you don't get any. Well, I'm not traveling. Well, okay, stay at home. Stay at home. You want McDonald's? But where you can get it, enjoy it. We've had some rum meals abroad, haven't we, Andy? Some rum meals. He was in a house once where when he goes to this house, he, there was nobody in the house. And he'd, get, he'd turn around and his breakfast would appear. 
And then he'd turn around again, and after he's eaten it, which won't be long with Andy, <laughs> turned around, and his dishes are gone. And it's like everything he needed was there, but he never found the person behind it. He never found the person who owned the house. He just was fed and watered. I think the angels came and fed him. Fed him. <laughs> fed him. <laughs> they fed him. He was on holy food. But it's amazing. You know, I know we've eaten some, some weird stuff, but that's the part of the mission. That's why Paul says, I know what it's like to go without, and I know what it's like to have plenty. Either way, I, you know, I just have to suck it up. So we have to, be, we have to carry this capacity. I want to be God's bullet. I want to hit the target. I want to be used strategically. And I know that if God's going to use me strategically, it means us. Us, every one of us. So whether that's in the city or whether that's in the nations, God will use us. So you have to allow God to, to use you and you have to let God to shape you. Because if you won't be shaped, he can't use you. Okay? We can talk about it all day, but when that moment comes and we have to pick, select only one or two, when we really should be able to be, select a lot more, it's because people won't allow God to change them. You can't travel with irritable people. It just does not work. Believe me, I've, I've had me gut full of it and it shouldn't have to be my character that has to suck it up and forget it you've also got responsibility amen so last week we looked at 2 Thessalonians 2 and we looked at the difference between power and authority and we looked at how the Holy Ghost holds back the man of lawlessness and he's got complete power but he has no authority but yet in Christ we have power and authority to hold back to advance to, to overturn. Amen. Because this is what God has given us. So our perception, uh, our perception of society is changing all the time. But society's perception of the church is changing also. Have you noticed? Society's perception of church is that they think we are irrelevant. We are no longer needed. This is their perception. So when they say that, they mean you. So it gets, so what happens is when their perception changes of us, they marginalize our voice. Yeah? They drown out our voice. And then it gets replaced by other groups, political correct groups, who are the minority in the city, but sound like they are the majority. But, it's, but though we've got far more, we always appear like we are the minority. I'm writing something right now for us as a church called the spirit of the age. So we can understand clearly how the spirit of the age works so that we can rise up and learn to see it, what it is, recognize what it is, so we can overcome it. Because we're all governed to some degree by the spirit of the age. But if we're going to take this power and authority that Christ has given us, he's given us to hit this, this culture. We can't keep allowing people to sideline us. Marginalize us, marginalize us, I should say, and not take us serious because we have a voice. But it's not only your voice, my friend, it's your life. It's your life that gives your voice its strength and power. If you've got no life behind your words, then you're just a hollow. What is it? The Bible says if you have no love, you're just a clanging symbol. In other words, you're just making a racket. So God is looking for the life behind our words. Because our words need to carry weight. And every day, our city is speaking. Voices can be heard. People are campaigning for their cause. 
We ain't campaigning. We're standing up and taking over. That's the kingdom of God. It's unshakable. It will never be silenced. But guess what? It can be silenced in you. It will not be silenced geographical wise. God will always have a voice. But it can be easily silenced within you. Because you will not allow your life to become a voice. Your life has to become a voice. And your voice becomes power when it's got a life. So when we say get a life, you know what we mean now? Get a life. There must be a life behind your words. So we know society wants to marginalize us. But, you know, when the society sees the power of the church rise up, she'll freak out. She will freak out. She will criticize us. She will look for every way she, she will look every way she can to come and find some dirt on us. Why? Because the media loves the story. So when the move of God begins to get noticed, that's why I really believe that God is saying to us, so listen to this church, please, please. I really keep sensing that we are the stream. The stream flows out and becomes a river. But the city doesn't recognize the river. Uh, Sorry, the stream. It only feels the force of a river. True? You on your own as an individual stream. But when I synergize with David... And David synergizes with Veronica and Melanie and the four of us. And we learn to function under the power of one. Right? Our stream becomes a river. And when we function as a river, society starts to take note of us. Because now many streams are now synergizing together. This is what's going to happen. This is what God's doing around the city. You'll see a time when everything just kind of synchronizes and clicks. But until then, the unseen work is going on in you and I. God's trying to get the synergy going in you and me so that we can, if I call me David, that's why these groups are so important at this time. Because the teachings are bringing people together. The teachings are bringing our groups together. Women are learning and finding out about other people they didn't know about. So the barriers are breaking down. That's why all the new people coming into the church, we want to get them into groups. It's so important. Why? Because barriers are broken down. People can rise up. They can get a faster integration into the church. We can train them for a purpose. And now all of a sudden we become a one power unit. And the streams. When talking to the new people that's come into the church. It's been fantastic to see the growth in them. It really is. To see the growth. They're hungry. You can't beat a hungry born again believer. You know, the first thing you want to do, what we've done, we've sanitized them, we've made them, we've, put, we've given them a church life without a God life. And the first thing we need to do with born again Christians is get them to, to go and tell other people. Because they're the ones who are just itching at the bit. The, the ones who have, like you and I, who have been in church a long time, well, I can't be reminded, I've got a job to do. But these people are just, let me talk to someone. Why? Because what's inside them is just waiting to get out. And then what happens is, we don't give them outlets, we don't encourage them to go and do it, and then they slowly but surely, they die in church. Oh, but the faithful, they come every week. They come every week, but they are not on the front lines anymore. We've learned to hide in church. We've, we're, we're chameleons, we're camouflaged, we learn to fit in. Rather than stand up and standing out. So we've got to learn to synergize. This power of one is so important. Jesus sent them out. Though there were two, there were one. And this is what, we, this is what God is he's doing with us as a church. He's synergizing the men, the women, the youth together. 
There's good synergy in our youth. When David Hall goes to university, our guys go over there and meet with him. That's synergy. What they're saying is, David, we don't want you to, we don't want you to lose your faith. We don't want you to, we know you're going to, there's going to be times when you're going to feel, it's going to feel hard in university, like with Grace and James. So it's important they stick together. It's important that they find that synergy together. Why? Because those who rise together will fight together. Amen. And the more the church is together, it's not about you and I coming to church, having church service and going home and doing our own thing. That's not the body. The body synergizes. It thinks, it feels. If you put your toe on that floor and smacked it with a hammer, what do you think is going to happen? Are you sure? Are you, are you definitely sure? How do you know? Because it's connected to you. But if you smack that toe and no pain comes, guess what? It's either dead or it's not connected. And that's what happens in the church. Most people attack the church, the body that they're part of. And because they don't feel any pain, it's because they're not connected to it. That's not body. I must not attack my wife. Why? Because we're one. If she hurts, I hurt. That's how it should be. But it's amazing how many times we do attack people. Amen. So... We are, we are in a very precarious position as a church. Why? Because most churches want to make you feel comfortable when they come in. We're trying to make you feel uncomfortable. And what? Not deliberately. Not uh, maliciously. But if you let the presence of God come in, you know, some people don't like it. Some people don't. It's amazing. It's amazing, amazing. How many people have come from some of the other churches? And this is what they say. We're looking for something more. This is what they say, listen, we are looking for something more. So you think, oh, great, we've got a load of more. We, we give more away. They come in and go, that's not the more I'm looking for. That's too much more. I wanted a little bit more, but not too much more. This is too much crazy, too much more. And I think I'll go and find another church which has got a little less more than you've got, but got a little bit more than where it came from. You know what ends up happening? They go back to, to where they came from. God help them. But then there are others who come in and go, this is the more I've been looking for. And this is why I always say, we are what everyone's need. I believe we are, the church with the difference is what people need, but it's not what everybody wants. So you can't ram your church down someone's throat. You ram, push, lift up, advance the name of Christ and let God add to us what is ours. Amen? But the more that come in, the greater it is. We can, it's only good if we can use them. It's only good if they become a resource. If they refuse to become a resource, and all you've got is a building on a Sunday, you've got a powerless church, but you've got a lot of backsides on a chair on a Sunday. That's not what we're building. Seriously. Now, I know some of you don't want that. Some of you will like that one building, and they like the music, and they like this, and they like that, and that's great. You're more than welcome. But we just need to tell you that some of us are not staying there. Some of us are not staying at that place because we can't afford to be contained or limited. That's not the assignment on our lives. Now, if you want that, that's fine. That's fine. Seriously, that's fine. You have to sort those things out with you and God in your relationship. But you can't also criticize us for wanting a bit more. Seriously, you can't. It's not right. It's not fair. We won't criticize you. You won't criticize us. And, and there's always a chance that you can, you can come to another level. If we set the bar, you can come to it.
But if we don't set the bar, everyone thinks we all stay the same. Leadership needs to keep setting the bar. Amen? So, Matthew 16. I'm glad we got there eventually. You know, sometimes I've got to just talk my way into the introduction. Get my own spirit ready. Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 17. Jesus replied, so there's a conversation going on. Many of you may be familiar with this scripture. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this, this was not revealed to you by man, but my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. Now, we're talking about a church that's relevant. We're talking a church that's got power. We're talking about a church that's got substance. It's got the right caliber of people in it. And here, a conversation's taking place. And Jesus just puts something on Peter's radar that just completely blows him. Peter's never had this revelation before in his life. This is something completely new to him. He's a Jew, but he's never seen or heard what is now being revealed to him through this conversation. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon. So straight away, he says, Simon, you're blessed. He blesses you because of what you know. He blesses him because of the one that's just opened up a dimension for him so that he can now see and understand. You are blessed people. You are so blessed. You're blessed not because of what you've got at home, and though that, though that is a blessing, you're not just blessed because you have a job or you, or you have a roof over your head. And when you compare, you compare somebody else's living condition or economic lifestyle, you can always feel better. There's always someone worse off with you. But when Jesus is talking to Peter, he's not talking about his economic betterment. He's talking about there's something about to be revealed to you that others are looking for all around the world, but I'm about to tell you. And when you're in an environment like this, in a prophetic environment, kings will travel to hear what you're hearing. Prime ministers will travel to hear what you're hearing. People will make journeys across the nations to hear what you're hearing. Why? Because there is genuine hunger in the hearts of God's people. And all we're asking is, by sending out our signal, we're saying, God, we're transmitting. Let it fall on those who are hungry and draw the hungry. Draw the hungry. Don't just draw the interested. Draw the hungry. Draw the ones who will be trained. Draw those who will be, um, allow themselves to be multiplied. Draw those kind of people. Because we don't just want any kind of people. Why? Because we've got an assignment. You know, if I'm picking a team for football, guess what I'm going to pick? People who can play. Finish the sentence off, please. Football. Is that, is, now, say I've got David here. And David loves to play football, but can't play football. That's not true. He can play football. In this that fell. But let's just say David can't play football. And he cries to me, oh, please let me play. Please let me play. I say, but Dave, I've got some good news and bad news. The good news is there's no more bad news after what I'm going to give you. But the bad news is you can't play. Why? Because you can't play football, Dave. Well, I can play football. It's just like the people who go on X Factor. I can sing. All my mates have told me I can sing. Well, they're lying. Go and tell your mates to jog on. They can't sing. Why? And then they start turning around saying, what do you know about singing? Uh, my Rolls Royce is outside. What did you come on the bus? There's proof I know what I'm on about. I don't know what you know about. But... So the thing is, it doesn't matter how much he cries, he can't come. Why? Because he's not a 
footballer. And it's amazing when you build church and you're trying to get an assignment, we'll take anyone in anything. Why? Because there's another backside on the seat. No, no. If you're building a governmental house, then you need governmental people. True? It's just the way it is. So, all of a sudden, Peter is having this conversation. He says, I'm going to tell you, Peter, that on this rock, now the Catholics love this verse, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell or Hades will not overcome it. There's power right there. I'm going to build something and all hell's force on its best day could not overcome it. Do you see that? On its best day, hell cannot overcome the kingdom. And this is this. I'm going to give you the keys. And I'm going to tell you that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on heaven will be loosed. Sorry, loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is why Matthew prays, you know, our father, as it is in heaven, so let it be on the earth. Yeah? This is a principle being worked in a prayer. Jesus tells him how to pray. So... And he says, and he warned his disciples not to tell anyone. Okay, Peter, Peter has three perspectives of church in one hit. Peter had no previous idea of what a church was. Because at this point, there was no church on the earth. There was no church you could go to. There was only synagogues. Okay? Now, you could argue there was a church in the wilderness But let's just take the thought that there was no church as we know it. There was no church as we know it today. All they had was synagogues. So Peter was getting a brand brand new revelation that no man on this earth had ever had before. Everybody understand that? So something, so there was no church at this point. Then Peter only had a human perspective. A human perspective. Now, he only had a human perspective of of who Jesus was. This is is society's problem. They only have a human perspective of who Jesus was. Notice they talk about him in the past tense. Who he was. Well, if there was a Jesus, he was just a good guy. You know the Jesus who is. They talk about the Jesus who was. They talk about the one past, you talk about the present tense. We talk about him in the one who was and the one who is and the one who is yet to come. We talk about him in three dimensions. See, humanism only sees one dimension. This is why you cannot follow the philosophies of the world. Because they are humanistic at their core and they do not see and cannot see what you and I can see. And if you follow them or influenced by them, they will drown out the voice of God in your life. They will try and do it through, have you ever heard the word, human reasoning? You cannot understand this power by human reasoning. It defies all logic. It makes no sense to the brain. It has to be revealed on the inside. And guess what? Everything you receive has to stay in that dimension. That's not how, that might be how you come a Christian, but that's, that's also how you stay one. You cannot then go into the human rationale of your mind and start working out. It does not make sense to pick mud up from the ground and shove it in someone's eyes. 
It does not make sense. When you look at the miracles, if you take it from a humanistic point of view, none of them make sense. Coming back from the dead does not make sense. Why? Because no one's done it. But now he's done it and shown everybody the way. It's amazing. When you, you raise someone from the dead, what do people always say? Humanism, well, he wasn't really dead. Because you now they've learned to lower the heartbeat in such a way that it can't be detected by a doctor. So therefore, he was never dead. He was dead. As the Scots say, did. I was did. Right? No, he's did. <laughs> Jesus knows what did and dead is. And he overcome it. Amen? And then through a natural conversation, listen, through a natural conversation, a spiritual dimension was added. So it starts off, so you can start talking naturally. Oh, how are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. You start off naturally with people. You don't get spiritual with people from the word go. You get natural. And then it transforms into something spiritual. Because as you begin to learn to, you must be natural, but you can't only be natural. Let's not be afraid of using the word natural. Because natural, listen, natural is what builds common ground. It's where chemistry is formed. If we want our power to be felt, seen and heard, then we need to build common ground with Common relationships with people. They become entrance points, access points for us to then cross over. Amen? So you must, can't be, you can't be spiritual with everyone. You have to be natural to a point and then use that point and that leverage then to move to the next level. And Jesus was using the natural conversation with Peter. And then at the moment where he started he was ready, Peter's mind flicks. His heart flicks into the supernatural. And Peter then begins to see what Jesus is saying. He moves from the natural into the spiritual. Now the problem with Christians is, is this. They start off in the natural. The supernatural comes. They feel all warm and fuzzy for a couple of weeks. Yeah? They're like the ready bet kid. Do you remember that advert? Eat his food in the morning. Glows all day. And then all of a sudden, the trials and tribulations come and they stop feeling fuzzy. Yeah? And then they go back into the natural. And then everything, they read the Bible all through the human filters. Because let's face it, before you get into the spiritual filters of the reading the Bible, you use the natural filters. God knows that's the way we're created. That's why people say, when I read the Bible, I get nothing from it. We've all been there. We've all been there. You're not the only one. So we go through the natural filters, and then all of a sudden, God begins to drop in nuggets. And then you hear somebody else talk about them. And then you think, oh, that's what I thought. I heard that. Now you're getting to have signs that maybe God speaks to me also. Yeah. Ah, because when I hear him speak, now it resonates within me. So what that's trying to tell you is the mode of, of, of reception now is set up. But you don't know it's set up. But you, if you keep going in the, in the Bible and you keep staying in the natural element, you will never, ever embrace... What God's sending you. So you'll always try to work God out on the natural realm. I don't know about you, but even with my spirituality, and I don't think it's that great, my spirituality, though I, I, I do confess I have a level of spirituality. There's times when I sit there, not more times, there's loads of times, and I think, and I think what are you on? What are you doing? 
Do you know what you're doing? Or am I the only one? Oh, so there's only three of us in here. Okay. We've got the power of three here. Have you ever sat there and thought, God, what are you doing with my life? I don't understand. I just don't understand you anymore. Or am I the only one who cries like a baby? And then God sat there going, just calm yourself right down. Get a grip. And how many of you know that when you try and negotiate and manipulate God, God says, we ain't playing that game. Sort yourself out when you're ready. Then we'll talk. So your screaming and manipulation does not mean anything with God. Well, God, if you don't speak to me, I'm going to keep walking this way. Jog on, carry on. He'll let you do it. Well, if God loved me, God wouldn't let me do that. Well, guess what? If you love, if you love God, you wouldn't do that. It works both ways. Because love does not manipulate. True? And God will let you go that way. Why? Because he's God. You're not. So, Peter has a perspective. He moves out the natural. He starts off in the natural. Working alongside Jesus, Jesus finds a common ground with Peter. He finds a chemistry with Peter. Watching Peter and observing Peter, he knows the right time to have the right conversation with Peter. And how many of us are waiting for that right conversation to have with people we really want to talk to? True? Is this the moment? Is this the moment? Is this the moment? I just, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. If I say something, it could really blow our relationship. We've all been there. And if I say something to my son, he's going he's gonna to throw all his toys out in the pram and he's not going to speak to me. Hey, that's, the, that's knowing the right time. So then Jesus says to Peter, Peter, flesh and blood is not about to reveal this to you, my friend, but what you're about to receive now is going to blow your circuits. I'm going to show you a power in the kingdom like you've never seen, never heard, never understood. And at this, at this point, the portal opened up. And the portal must keep open, it must remain open over your life if revelation is going to keep coming and upgrading you. The portal must stay open. Your heart and your mind must be open to the things of God all the time. Keeping the portal open, the, the gate, the entrance gate that keeps heaven over your life is your responsibility. My job here on a Sunday is to minister when your portal's open, feed you. My job and the leader's job here is to keep the heavens open over here. Amen. My job as a leader's job is to bring us in so we pray together. We keep the word that keeps our hearts clean. So we corporately stay clean and keep the heavens open over our lives. But when I release you and you go back to your environment, your responsibility to keep your heart clean. But my job then is, when I sense that your heart is getting filled with other things, my job then is to try and minister then to cleanse it out again. So me as the priest of the house in that sense is always trying to bring you to the point of where you connect with God so your heart can be cleansed so the heavens remain open. That's the job of the priest. In your house, fathers, you are the priest. It's your job to make sure your family is in good condition. If you're married to an unsaved partner, you are the priest. You're the priest. So Peter's having a dynamic um, encounter with God, just like you are going to have. But the moment Peter switched again, he went back to humanism and went back to the demonic. Let's have a look. Peter moves from a human perspective. Hey, Jesus, people, people are saying that you're this, you're Elijah, 
you're John. Jesus says to him, who do you say I am? So Peter now has a revelation. At that point, he sees he moves from the natural into the supernatural. And then Peter, for some strange reason in verse 23, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's. So we went from the natural perspective to the divine revelational perspective, then to the demonic in one conversation. Three avenues of his life opened up in one conversation. Some people say, well, who do you say I am? Well, you're the Christ. Now he's moved from the natural to the revelational. Next minute, Jesus talks to him about where he's going, how he's going to suffer. He now moves into the demonic. And then back into the natural. He's, he's encountered all these di- dimensions in one conversation. How many times do we engage conversation with people in work and we move from the natural to the, to the divine into the demonic and back to the natural? Let me give you an, 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 encounter, let me give you an instance. Anybody been around people who are coarse joking? You walked up there, natural. Walked out, you might have even walked out, you know, you're feeling good in God that day. You walk into work, you're in the natural. You've come out of the presence of God, you've had your time with God in the morning. You go to work, you're in the natural, true? You've got chemistry, you've got common ground with people. They start talking, before you know it, it goes dirty. You start laughing, you start joining in, you've gone into the demonic realm. Then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, uh-uh, what the heck are you doing here? Get out! Oh God, I feel guilty now. So now you get back into the natural realm because you feel guilty. Then you go back to God and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me now you're in the spiritual realm. And you're changing and switching realms all through the day. True? It's so easy. So easy to step. Are we spiritual people? Yes. But we're so easily led by the natural. And then what happens is, is someone in your group says, I'm surprised at you, Sally. You're supposed to be a Christian. I wouldn't have thought you'd be laughing at something like that. Oh, that's the last thing you want to hear. True? Now, God is using the devil to convict you. True? He's just saying, we noticed. You're not as smart. You're not as holy as you thought you were. Yeah, you self-righteous person, you. And then you go back and say, oh, God, 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 I ruined, I ruined my testimony. Yeah, you did. But I forgive you, I restore you, go back and have another go. The only way you can show him is by being consistent. It's the only way. You can't go back and say, look, I met with my God last night. He appeared to me on a hill and he said to me, oh, Tony, thou art was a naughty boy yesterday. Thou should not be listening to such naughty songs or naughty jokes. Apologize to the people and they will forgive you and restore you back to righteousness. No, he doesn't do that. He just says, okay, I recognize you blew it. Sort yourself out, go back, and now become consistent. And your consistency is what then becomes the testimony. You won't believe what I was doing in work. You will not believe it. And I'm ashamed to tell you, but and I won't. But all you need to know is what stood here before you today is mercy and grace and love. You know, to be behind this pulpit ministering to you with the word is a, is a miracle in itself. And I know God, God builds into your relationship. He builds in a capacity for you to fail. 
I love that about God. He builds into our relationship with him a capacity for you to fail. That's why God doesn't fall over when you fail. And the kingdom of God doesn't go down the chute because you fail. Thank God for that. Amen. God's bigger than that. Listen, this thing started from the beginning or go right to the end with you or without you. God wants you. God loves you. God died for you. God needs you in that sense. But your, his kingdom will not rest on your shoulders. You know, it's far bigger than that. He wants you to carry it. He wants you to be governmental. But guess what? You won't have. You'll only have a level, certain level clearing. Amen. You've got power. You've got authority. But you haven't got power and authority to bring the whole thing down. Yeah. God's smarter than that. And any pastor or leader that's worth his salt will always bring you into that place that even though you've failed, you'll always, you can always be restored. You can't, be, you can't just have fire and brimstone preaching to bring people to the, to the altar. You've got to show them how to restore and live life beyond the cross. Amen? You can't just leave people at the cross. You've got to show them how to live the victorious Christian life. Jesus rose. He just didn't die. He rose. You know, I don't know about you, but there's millions and billions of people who are dying for causes every day. But the one who rose, that's a different. He's the guy I need to follow. So, we've got to come to a point where we cannot allow our lives to be misunderstood or marginalized through our behavior. When society is looking for the church, my friends, they're looking at you. And if you can't get serious and you can't get consistent, why do you expect them to want to come? Because they're looking at you. And if all you ever do is meet with Christians, then guess what? How can you ever be salt and light? Come on. Christians might be a lot easier to get on with. Well, some of them are. Might be a lot easier for you to get on with and you enjoy their company. Right, but guess what? That's that's not what it's there for. Jesus sent them out in twos. Use your friendship strategically. Learn to harness your your relationships with people strategically. How can we get this power of one to the next level? So we can have coffee together. But can we not in third? Can we not involve a third party then? True. If all your life is spent sitting down with Christians, drinking coffee, and having nice, you know, uh, Christian cheesecake. And that's no good. We're meant to be salt and light. The hardest thing for me being in in this building is I've got to find ways of getting out. To mix with real people. Because you're not real people, you're Christians. (laughs) So when I'm going down the road, I want to interact with people. I want to interact with people. I like talking with people. That's why the gym for me is my place. The sauna is the key place for me. It's where people sat there, they're steamed up like you can't believe. And they talk naturally. You don't have to fight to get a conversation. It doesn't matter if they're Muslimics. <laughs> right? It doesn't matter if they're Muslimics or whatever they are. They're there in that room. They're looking at you. And it's a great opportunity. You've got to find your steam room. You've just got to find your steam room. It's not enough to stay in the natural church. It's not enough to keep trying to understand this book by the natural realm. If you turn your Bibles to chapter, sorry, Acts chapter 18. And here we have a man by the name of Apollos. Apollos typifies so much of the modern day church. So now Apollos is saved. Okay. Apollos has 
It sounds like the Scottish ver- version of the police, the polis. That's what they say. That's what they say. The polis, isn't it, David? The polis. No, Apollos was a man who was a believer. But he caused the church a lot of problems. A lot of problems. He caused Paul such pain because he only had limited information and revelation. Here, Apollos is a man that gets saved but does not move on beyond that. Okay, let's read it. Uh, Verse 24 of Acts chapter 18. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandra, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man. So what kind of man was he? He was a smart cookie. With a thorough knowledge of scripture, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And he spoke with great favor and taught about Jesus accurately. Though he only knew the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But thank God, there were some ladies out the dream center and gentlemen. One was called Priscilla and Aquila who heard him. They invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. So what he's saying is, you know, you've got authority, you've got, you've got strength, you can do certain things. But you know what, David? You're limited. Carol and I, using this illustration, we need to take you to one side. Would you come to our house? Can we upgrade you? Yeah? In Word Perfect... Can we upgrade the package you've been carrying? You've got a deposit. We know you've got a deposit. You're a good man. But your revelation is limiting us. We're not running Windows Vista anymore. We're now going to Windows 8. Okay? We're now upgrading the package. David, it's time for you. Now, David at that point can get all proud and say, I'm a learned man. People listen to me. Who do you two think you are? Yeah? That's not the attitude of him. Now, he's caused a lot of problems. Why has he caused a lot of problems? Not because of his attitude, but because of his level of doctrine. His level of doctrine and his encounters is what's limiting him. Church, you better hear. There's an Apollos generation in the church. And he's limiting the move of God if a Priscilla and Aquila is not allowed into his life. Now, I wish our new Christians were here this morning to listen to this. Many of them are away for whatever reason. They get saved. They are and now officially classed as a Apollos. They've been saved. Are they forgiven? Yes. But are they at the standard of Priscilla and Aquila? No. This is why when we write things and we send our programs out and we want to encourage you, ladies and men and and youth, it's because we want to take the Priscilla Aquila Principle. We want to take you from just coming to the cross and knowing some things about the cross. We want to take you into a deeper Christian life. So that you, so the revelations of heaven can open up over your life so you can feel more empowered. Not so that you feel more blessed. Blessing is a benefit. It's not the purpose. And everyone is running after the, the cake. The, ben, the, the purpose is to grow. To grow. So Priscilla and Aquila, thank God there are Priscilla's and Aquila's in every church. You only need to know a little bit more than the next fella. Now this is not an exercise and who knows the most. That's not the exercise. The principle is, is going from one degree of glory to another. 
And how you go from one degree of glory is by who you allow to take you. If you think you know enough, then guess what? You're right. You're absolutely right. But you'll never grow. You'll only grow to the level called just enough. But if you allow Priscilla and Aquila to take you to one side and teach you the word of God more adequately without it revealing a monster in you, then you'll go to the next level. So let's just look at this a minute. There's a Priscilla and Aquila in every one of us if you allow God to use you. Priscilla and Aquila have been listening to me in the Dream Center say, get your passport. Right? Now all of a sudden, some people will go and get the passports, whether they understand the full reason or not, they'll go and get one. Why? Pastor said it. They'll just go and do it. Others, well, I want to know why. Where's he taking me? Just get your passport. Let God determine where we're going and when we're going. Okay? Just go and get your passport. Well, I've got my passport now. I've had one for three years. You've not used me. With that attitude, it might be another three years. Right? So all of a sudden, Priscilla and Aquila are in the church. But there's always an Apollos in every church. Always. Let's not use Apollos in a negative sense. He's a good man. He's just not moved to the next level. Now I'm looking at some beautiful people. In fact, all beautiful people here this morning. If I say something, does he mean me? Does he not mean me? You're all beautiful people. But you need taking from one degree to the other. I go to Malaysia because my Priscilla and Aquila ever used Jonathan David in that sense. That's what he does with me. I need to keep going to the next level. I have to submit myself to someone on this earth. Not only do I submit myself to Christ, I submit myself to an apostle. Who I see him as my Priscilla and Aquila. Someone who can take me from degree to the degree to degree. So then when I come in, I empower my Priscilla's Aquilas. So then they can take the others, the Apollos, to the next level. Then Apollos becomes a Priscilla and Aquila. Yes? And so the synergy rises in the house. So there's always people being trained and mentored. True? But many of us have never, ever taken someone under our wing and tried to generally take it from one degree to the other. Everything we have is for ourselves. It's never for anybody else. To be a resource in the house, you have to become a Priscilla and Aquila. Now, you say, well, I'm not married. So I can't, I, I, where's my Aquila? Or where's my Priscilla? You just start from where you are. You can be a light and you can be an influence where you are. Now, doesn't mean to say is you text someone. Let, I know what's going in your mind, so let me just clear it up. It doesn't mean to say is I'm going to teach you my doctrine. And you're going to become like me. Hey, I never trained anyone to become like me. Ask my wife. She says, don't go like him. I train you to look like him. Not me. Now, you will take on some of my characteristics, but that's without a doubt. You'll, you, you tend to mimic, copy, whatever word you want to use, the ones who have had the influence upon your life most. You pick up mannerisms and ways, do you not? And just look at your children, there's a classic example. So, I am not trying to give you my own little doctrine. But so many, in, then, then that, that doesn't become a Priscilla and a You know what the Bible calls that? Wolf. That's a wolf. Because they come in and ravage the church. And they take you to one side. And when people prophesy in the car park. And then they give you their advice. 
And then they start trying to steer you and, and direct you. Prophecy is never meant to do that. Prophecy must always be said in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Right? And this is how the body, the body starts going off. But Priscilla's needed in the church. If we're going to become a church of power, then church, my heart to you this morning is, is to say, seriously, 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 become a Priscilla and Aquila. Become the answer. Become the solution. Start with what you know. Let The best way to do it, this is it, the best way to do it, I've already told you, is be under someone and be accountable to someone, but also bring someone with you. So what you're always putting life and energy into someone, but you're also looking to someone. It's safe. I've built my life on that. God has always made sure my leaders are always come to me. Why? Because I've always submitted to a leader. I've always. Even when he said things and did things I didn't like. See, for me now, submitting under Jonathan David, it's been a lot easier. Why? Because a lot of stuff was cleared up under my pastor. My heart was cleared under my pastor. When Pastor Colin Carson was here, I learned to relate with him. And God joined our hearts together. And I had some, a lot of stuff to clear out because he frustrated the life out of me. And no doubt, <laughs> me to him. And then what happened was, is it got sour. The relationship got sour. I, I tried to stop it from becoming personal. Lord knows I tried. And the last minute dot com, it got me. And then he left. And that was the right that happened. And then two years later, God begins to speak to me about writing a letter to him. And I went, no, 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 no. I was in Spain and God spoke to me. In Malaga. God said to me, write a letter. Let's put things right now. No, 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 no. So two months goes by. Might be a little bit longer than that. Then all of a sudden it gets back home. And then all of a sudden again, I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit say to me, write that letter. So... You know when you try to write the most perfect letter you've ever written and you give no one any chance, any opportunity to, to, for it to be misinterpreted, pick a stone up. It was the perfect letter I wrote. It was the best piece of writing I've ever put together in my life. And I wanted to break every opportunity for him to get upset or misread me, misunderstand me. So I said it to the Lord, right, you've got your wish. I've wrote the letter. What I didn't know, he was in America. And a prophet who many of you have heard and seen in this church, a man called Dennis Davis, prophesied to Colin when he was in the States that you're going to receive a letter within three weeks of you getting home. <laughs> I didn't know this at the time. He didn't know this at the time. I knew this afterwards. And I wrote a letter and it was my finest. And Carol looks at me and she says, do we have to do this? I said, yes, we have to do this. Well, what happens if, you know, then the ifs then, the human reasoning comes out. So we said, no, we'll step into the supernatural and we'll say, okay, Lord, our hearts are right in this. We know we've, we've, we've kind of put every full stop, everything that needs to go in there. And if I, if I write a letter, it's got full stops. It's good. So it was good. And we sent it. And then all of a sudden, the phone goes. And you're thinking, oh, my Lord. Here we go. We got your letter. Yes. You know. And you could sense there was a lump in the throat. You're thinking, okay, what's coming next? And he says, yeah, we'd like to go out for a meal with you. Uh, can we arrange it? And we arranges it. And then... We climbs Ben Nevis together. Now, what I'm showing you there is the power of submission. The power to go the extra mile, put it right. My relationship with Colin now is good. I might not speak to him for six years, seven years. It doesn't matter because the last place we were was good. 
So I can move on with my destiny. He can move on with his. We don't have to be. It doesn't mean to say we have to have cheesecake together now. Christian quiche and cheesecake. We don't need it. What it means is I put it right. I've moved on. He's free now to go north. I'm free to go south. And if it's some way we come together, fine. But I'm not fighting. If he comes, if he comes in my path, it's like, hey, welcome. What I'm saying is, is that I was able to do that because I was under a Priscilla and Aquila. Jonathan David didn't tell me to do it. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and told me to do it. But the principle in my heart is to be submitted, but also bringing someone else. If you can grab that this morning, church, then we're going to go far. We're finishing now. Apollos was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of Scripture. So he had natural intelligence. Everybody see that? He was a believer, but his revelation was one dimension. Yes? He only knew the power of salvation. How do I know that? John's baptism was about repentance. John came preaching repentance. Repent ye the way of the Lord. Amen? So he'd only received one dimension. And then, he had come to the cross for forgiveness, but did not know that the power of the resurrected, indestructible life through the Holy Ghost was available to him. He did not know that the resurrected, indestructible life was available to him through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will show him how to keep his life clean, how to overcome temptation, how to rise in the Spirit. That doesn't get downloaded when you get saved. That gets installed in other packages. Amen? The indestructible life. Jesus talks about the indestructible life in Hebrews. Jesus had it. But guess what? Even Jesus had to learn obedience. So, it's this indestructible life that shows you how to stand in the face of troubles and overcome. Amen? So, Priscilla, so it, we see that uh, Apollos had the ability to speak and communicate in a bold manner. It's amazing how many of us can speak. And we've learned to communicate. And I tell all our guys who are learning to speak. Some of them will become communicators. Others will become ministers. And there is a difference, my friend. There is a difference. Some people can communicate really well. They have such a good mannerism. They're intelligent. They can present themselves well. And, they, and, we, and we have to do this. We have to do this. It's part of salt and light. Some of you are doing this in your work. You have to present and your presentation skills will, will open doors for you or close doors for you. But then there are times when God says, I need a minister. A minister is not just a communicator, though he will have elements of communicational skills in him. He is a minister. He knows how to take the word and sow the word into people's hearts. That's a minister. A communicator will fill you with all nice little dittos, stories, and illustrations. And make you feel all nice and warm and fuzzy. And guess what? You've had it. I've been one. That was part of my journey. I learned to communicate before I became a minister. Some people will never transition to become a minister. They'll only become a good communicator. And we need both. But you know when the microphone's in the, in the hands of a minister. Spirit dynamics are activated. A minister will just give you what your itching ears want to hear. A communicator will do that, sorry. A minister will speak spirit to spirit. 
draw on the Holy Ghost, bring his now word in, feed you, challenge you, instruct you, empower you. That's a minister. Amen. But what the world wants is a communicator. The world's looking for a communicator and the world needs communication. I'm not demeaning one or the other. What I'm saying is we need both. They both partner. Now, when some of you guys will rise up and you'll speak and I'll take you around the nations and you'll start sharing, the first thing you need to do is be able to communicate. You can't be scratching your backside and your fingers up your ears and up your nose and thinking, that's not communication. That's not going to endear me to you at all. Yes? But to be a minister, that's different. And you learn, you go from one stage to the next. But some people never transition because that's not their calling. That's not their calling. But you know when you've been ministered to, you all rise up and say, oh, that was good. That, that really hit my spirit. That's a minister. Apollos was a communicator. He communicated boldly. And he, had, and he got results. But Priscilla and Aquila takes him to one side and takes him to the next level. That of a minister. And then it says, Apollos went out and good things started to happen. God started to use his life more and more strategically. Why? Because now he'd allowed himself to go to the next level. So this morning, the Holy Spirit is saying to you, will you stand to your feet? We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information, go to www.thedreamcenter.co.uk.